welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the new shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We talk all things Ohio State football and talk to and about other women in Buckeye athletics and beyond. I'm your host, Tia Williams. And I'm your co-host, Meredith Hine. You can follow me at Tia Williams, that's Tia with three A's, Meredith at Meredith Hine, and of course the site at Land Grant 33. Thanks so much for tuning into episode six. We are so excited today to welcome Kelsey Trainer as our guest, and we're so pumped to have her on the show. So welcome, Kelsey. Thanks Kelsey for is the, you guys. So happy to have you. Kelsey is the in-house counsel and business affairs at Abrams Media, writer and host of Calling Game on Media. Sorry, Mediate, a weekly column slash podcast which is focused on the biggest issues in sports and being a change in the media's lack of coverage in women's sports. Thanks, guys, for having me. I'm super stoked about this. Yeah, I can't wait to dive into so many topics. I mean, we have so much planned for today's show. So before we jump in, Tia and I are both huge Buckeye fans, obviously, since we're hosting this podcast. But we do want to learn a little bit more about what teams that you're a diehard fan of. Um, And for the record, it does not have to be a college football team. Okay, I have to say I'm from Philadelphia, so I'm a Philadelphia sports fan through and through. Uh, my uh, Philadelphia Eagles are former Super Bowl champs, so <laughs> I cheer on the Eagles every every weekend. Um, and I do have to say, my entire family did go to Penn State, so no. um, <laughs> I know. But I have gone to many games at Ohio State, um, at the Shoe, and I've been to a few of the uh, women's basketball games there. So I have major respect for Ohio State, the athletic program, um, and the school itself. Yeah, I've... I've been to a Penn State game at Penn State, and I will never go back. You should I respect no. <laughs> you guys <laughs> for, like, the intensity you bring, but I'm just, I'm not going back there. <laughs> I think I, uh, I went to the game, it was Penn State, Ohio State a few years ago, and Penn State actually won, and a very nice Ohio State fan turned to me after the game, and she said, congratulations to your team. And I oh. thought, wow, this would have never happened at <laughs> No. I was at that game, too. I think I, like, was hiding in the bathroom towards <laughs> the end. It's like, get me out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I remember it. Oh, don't worry. It was a rough one. Have you made it to any Eagles games this year yet? Not this year. Um, I, I have, I'm planning to go to a few. Um, got to a bit last year and then, of course, was a, went to a lot uh, the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl, which was, you know, a best year ever with oh, Ohio State that. player Malcolm Jenkins. So, Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We've, got, we've got more about guys <laughs> than equals this year as well. Yes, we do. Um, yep. uh, so one other thing before we jump in today, obviously a big topic in the news today uh, is this new bill from California to pay NCAA athletes. So Kelsey, just given your role, would love to hear your quick take on that. Oh my gosh. So, so much has been happening surrounding, uh, you know, paying college athletes, not just paying them, but whether or not they should be able to Uh, make a profit on the use of their name, image, and likeness. And so that's what happened in California. There was a bill that was on the governor's desk um, to allow student athletes to be able to make money uh, off of the use of their name, image, or likeness. Um, And the governor signed it uh, into law that will take place not until 2023. He actually signed it into law on uh, LeBron James's show uh i believe it's called uninterrupted he signed it into law on lebron's james show um and now the ncaa is going crazy uh, they've issued statements a lot of the uh 
schools, uh, they actually, cal- schools in California and athletic departments have issued statements um, basically going against this. And it's just, it's kind of counterintuitive. The fact is, is that every time that it's come up, uh, the NCAA is violating antitrust laws and not allowing college athletes to make money off of the use of their name, image, or likeness. No other college ath- or no other college student is restricted the same way that college athletes are. Um, and there's no other scenario in which you see somebody using your picture or using your image in a video game and you don't make money off of that. Uh, whereas the NCAA and the schools make millions and billions of dollars. So uh, it was a big day for that, and other states are going to follow suit. Um, so I'm, I actually don't know that the California bill is the uh, end-all and the be-all, but I think it gets the conversation going and makes the NCAA have to act instead of, you know, kind of following. Yeah, I definitely think a lot of uh, states are going to be following suit with that. And I think the governor of California on LeBron's show, I don't know if it was him, but I mean, he brought up an amazing point because these these athletes are literally putting their life on the line. I mean, like you you can die <laughs> technically right? you playing saw, football. <laughs> you just saw the, in the uh, Packers Eagles game that uh, Thursday night football. Yes. Two people were Maddox. Cut off. You're putting oh my your your physical safety, your mental safety on the line to play a sport yes. for the benefit yeah. of these colleges and these universities who are making billions of dollars off them in sponsorships and endorsements and in you know syndication and broadcasting deals um right. so it's just it, it doesn't make sense that what makes sense is allowing athletes to get paid at a time when in their career they are able to perform a sport uh at an elite level absolutely and and one of the really unfortunate things is when you see players who get injured with lifelong injuries, it's often the exception rather than the rule that the school will take care of their medical bills for life. Um, yeah. So and that's even you know even before getting paid, being able to take care of your body for the rest of your life after you have sacrificed it, you know, for the sake of your university, being able to make all of these millions and billions of dollars every year. And these college scholarships are one-year deals essentially. Mm-hmm. You don't get a four-year college scholarship. It's renewed every single year. So you're not guaranteed four years. If you're injured, you know, life-threateningly in your freshman year, you're not guaranteed four more years of education. Yeah. Uh, so it just doesn't make sense. Right. And what some of these kids have on their plate, and this is why LeBron may, is like such a good um, spokesperson for this, is like they're quite literally taking care of their families, some of them. And for you to maintain a level of eliteness at your university athletically and academically. And then you also have to like, you know, check in at home and take care of finances there. And you're not making a dime for any of your work, but the university is, it's infuriating to think about. It really is. And it's, it's just not fair. There's such a sense of injustice about it. Um, and so, like I said, I mean, the NCAA has been saying time and time again that they are going to do something and they're looking into it and they want to have a conversation and a dialogue. But, I mean, time is up. It's they, the, NCAA, the NCAA has lost its time, ability to be a leader in this. They're now going to have to follow because all of these states are going to continue to enact these laws, and they should. Yep, they sure are. All right, so you're a lawyer, you're a producer, 
and you're a writer, I mean, I think that just scratches the surface. Is there <laughs> anything you can't do? Uh, there's um, so much I can't do. <laughs> can you take us through what a work week looks like for you? What do you do? Uh, what's your Monday through Friday? Yeah, so uh, to start, there's lots that I can't do. I just consistently surround myself with people smarter than I am and that are better than I am, <laughs> and that helps me look way better than I am. Um, but being... <laughs> in-house for a media company, which is actually my primary job. I'm in-house in business affairs for Abrams Media. It's a company founded by Dan Abrams from ABC News. Uh, we have a number of platforms. We have a television network. We have a book publishing division. Uh, we have multiple websites and podcasts. Um, so I do everything for that in terms of the legal side of it, contracts, uh, any legal issues that come up, uh, back and forth, going and getting you know new deals, new clients, um, all that fun stuff. In between then, I meet with my colleague, Amba, who co-hosts and writes uh, Calling Game with me. And we come up with ideas on the topics that we want to talk about that week. We email guests on the weekends. Uh, you know, we want to get, we like to have, uh, you know, decent names come on. So we really work to, we really try to work with our agents um, and make, you know, a guest comfortable in what we're going to talk about. Um, and then, you know, I go to work events at night, meet people in sports and business, develop new projects for different platforms. Um, so it's never ending, but all of it is fun. <laughs> yeah, and to reemphasize Gia's point, I don't think our intro could have possibly done you justice. That's quite the list of things that you have responsibility <laughs> for. Um, but one of the things that really excited us in particular was your work uh, in particular around women's issues in sports. And we were just very curious, is that one of the reasons that you became a lawyer and a writer? Um, and is this a subject that you've always been passionate about? Um, or would you say there's a particular moment that really made you get interested in this particular area? So I actually went to law school because I wanted to do adoption. So being adopted myself, that's something I wanted to do. And then I got into a different area of law right out of law school and it paid well. So I stuck with it. Um, and then last year I left the law full time and I actually weren't, went to work on a television show called Blue Bloods. So I stopped working in the law altogether for about six months. Um, and then in the beginning of this year, I went and I applied for a job at this media company and I got it. Um, and I really didn't, there was no involvement with sports. Uh, we have, we cover sports on one of our site, but not really in an in-depth way. We aren't sports center. Um, and a colleague of mine, she played sports and we just went to our boss and said, Hey, we want to write a sports column and do a podcast. And he said, go for it. Um, and someone who's, I've played sports, you know, I played sports in college. I used to coach college basketball prior to law school. Um, I just, when you see kind of the issues that come up, like with the women's world cup and equal pay and you know, inequality in any area kind of really just irks me. Um, mm -hmm. So I thought I have a platform, so I'm going to use it to effectuate change um, any way that I can because there's, I see other people out there doing that as well, whether they're lawyers or athletes or journalists um, using their platform. So, you know, why not me? So what kind of topics do you typically cover on your podcast? So the way that we got started was because we, you know, we read the statistics that only 4% of uh, sports or uh, sports media covered women's sports. Um, and that statistic just 
did wow. not sit well with me. Uh, so we were a site that primarily didn't cover women's sports to start. And we said, let's do it. Um, and so we talk about the first ep- uh, the first column and episode, we talked to Coach Katie Smith from the New York Liberty about how the media can do more um, and help promoting women's sports. We talked to Jay Billis about the U.S. women's national team lawsuit. Um, we covered last a few weeks ago when Kent State's football team needed fireworks to go off and the field hockey game got canceled in, in second overtime. You know, we, we talked about those issues. So we really try to relate it to a current event, um, but we kind of do a deep dive into any guests that we come on um, and really get their take on some important topics, either in the news or in, you know, sports in general. Right. So speaking of that, you recently wrote an article about Title IX. Yes. And two students suing the University of Kentucky for their lack of women's sports. Um, I wanted to get your take on all of that. So you basically state that Title IX is not actually a set of guidelines to follow, but an actual law. Um, can you explain what Title IX is? I feel like most people have an idea, but you know we don't want there to be any confusion around it. And secondly, how did the University of Kentucky break it? Yeah, so I actually, the title for that column came because I sent the uh, the lawsuit to a friend of mine. Her name's Carrie Ann Cook, and she's an, an attorney. Um, and I sent her that lawsuit, and her response was, well, turns out Title IX isn't a guideline. And it made me laugh. <laughs> Um, so I said, Hey, can we use that as a title and can we interview you? Um, so, but, but that, that's what the lawsuit is about. So title nine is a federal law. It's an actual law that protects people from discrimination based on, uh, sex and education programs or activities that anything that receives federal money. Um, and so the aspect of it that relates to the university of Kentucky's lawsuit is that it requires men and women's sports to have equal opportunities. Um, so as it stands currently the lawsuit that, uh, two female students at the university of Kentucky filed, um, 55% of the student body at the university of Kentucky is female, but only 41% of the school's varsity athletes are women. So essentially the university of Kentucky needs to add more female varsity sports, which is what these two athletes were trying to do. They were trying to add field hockey and lacrosse. Um, and they got nowhere with the uh, athletic director in the athletic department. So their only option at that point was to, you know, file a lawsuit against the University of Kentucky um, and really enforce it because, you know, uh, what's a law without the ability to enforce it? That yeah. is wild. <laughs> it really <laughs> is wild. Um, and we're going to include the link to that article on our show's site um, so you can read it at your convenience. Um, please take a moment to do so. It's very eye-opening. So, Kelsey, as someone who played lacrosse all through college, this is particularly infuriating to me that these women were not able to successfully get their sport added, um, even though this is the law. Um, but one of the things that you wrote uh, in this article was that Title IX itself, it's stated in fairly simple language, but its effect have been effects have been felt tenfold since its implementation in 1972. The fact that UK is in such bold violation of this law is something to behold. The numbers do not lie. Um, so really for them to treat Title IX as a suggestion rather than the law, do you think that they knew it was the law the whole time and just decided to be ignorant about it? Or do you think that other universities are doing the same thing? What do you think is really the pervasiveness of this issue throughout the NCAA? I mean, I really think that it's enforcement. And there isn't necessarily this governing body that 
uh, is going around saying, hey, you're not in compliance. So I, when I talk about the numbers in that article, the University of Kentucky filed a public report with the U.S. Department of Education. It was for the 2017-2018 academic year. And those numbers of 55% of the student body being female and only 41% of the athletes being female, that was in that report. So that information is out there. The University of Kentucky knew that they just were not in compliance. That's not equal. So they know that they weren't in compliance, but they don't do anything about it. Um, and there's, there's other aspects to Title IX that are outside of sport um, that, you know, the, the effects of Title IX obviously aren't just felt in sport, but that's just an area that, you know, we focus on here. Um, and it's, it's something that the lawsuit will hopefully force their hand. I do know that a number of smaller schools have faced the same issue where lawsuits have been brought, but I think it's just very significant that the University of Kentucky, which is such a massive uh, program when it comes to success, when it comes to money, how much money they earn, how much money they pay their coaches. Um, yeah. And to think of that they don't have a varsity lacrosse or field hockey program for women is just insane because, like, you you know, you played lacrosse. I mean, that's a very popular sport. Yeah, yeah. I had to read that twice because I at first <laughs> I thought they were – I didn't – I don't know what I thought I read, but then I was like, oh, no, they – they don't have it at all. <laughs> like, no, I think they like once had it in the early 60s maybe or 70s. And when Title IX was enacted, they got rid of it a few years later. Now they have club uh, lacrosse and they have club field hockey. Um, but part of the reason that that's such an issue is because if you don't have the varsity sport, then you also don't have the ability to give scholarships to women mm-hmm. in those sports. And that's also – so you're receiving federal money. Yeah. But federal money is not going in equal part – uh, to women as it is to, to male athletes. Uh, so it's, it is mind blowing. Um, but I do think it's a, just a big deal that this lawsuit kind of has been brought out of Kentucky. Um, you know, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So has the lawsuit, I mean, do you know where they left off with that? Are they going to make a statement? Oh, Oh, I believe that they did make a statement. Actually. I think the, um, the athletic director or somebody came out and said that they were in compliance, something to that effect. Um, and that everything that they do, uh, is fully accommodating with the interests and abilities of the students. Um, but unfortunately the law lurk works just very slow. Um, so the yeah. lawsuit was only filed last week. So, you know, in terms of, uh, university of Kentucky, they'll have time to answer. They'll have time to do a responsive pleading, um, and all the procedural, you know, things on their part. So, uh, there's nothing as of yet other than a statement from the school. Um, but you know, it's out there and it's received a very widespread attention because of the size of the school. Um, so we'll see what happens. It's definitely something that I'm going to continue to follow and hopefully people will also continue to follow, um, because it's 2019. And this this yeah. has been in effect since what 1972, and we're still having this we're still having this conversation. Title IX is not a guideline; it is a set of laws that has to be followed by these universities. Absolutely. Um, unfortunately, it has been a theme on this show that we have to completely reiterate every time that it is in fact 2019, and we are still <laughs> dealing with many of these issues. Um, And I I was just curious, so in case anyone was wondering, the University of Kentucky does, in fact, have a men's lacrosse team. Um, Absolutely shocking. um, 
So if you need something that might make your blood boil just a little bit, there it is. Um, but back to, you know what, let's bring it in a more positive. Yeah. Um, so based on your experience, Kelsey, um, whether it's in Title IX or elsewhere, uh, we have come a long way. But what is the biggest change that you would want to see happen for women in sports? We've talked a lot on this show about uh, respect for female reporters, respect for female athletes or coaches. But now we have your perspective uh, really from the law. So I'm just so curious what your answer would be. Oh, there's so many answers I have. And I think it's a culmination of so many things. I mean, first of all, I think we need more media coverage of women's sports. Uh, it has to be mainstream. You know, I'll, I post something on Twitter almost every week where it takes about 30 seconds when you scroll through ESPN's homepage to get to the first story of women's sports. Um, and that's just unacceptable. Lena Deladon had like a, the, she won the MVP. She had the, she joined an elite club of, uh, uh, of stats with her, uh, with her latest um, season. And it was, I don't know, it took me about 30 seconds to even scroll down and get to the article. Um, so we need coverage because if it's out of sight, then it's out of mind. Um, and then we need to have kind of allyship. We need men in these prominent positions in sports and business reporters um, to advocate kind of for change and equality. Um, they can't just talk the talk. They need to walk the walk, hire women, recommend women. Um, I would mm -hmm. love to see a female head coach in a men's professional sporting league. Like I would, I know that it's happening in, as in, in uh, the assistant coach positions um, a lot in the NBA and the NFL, but I mean, I really think it's time we see a female head coach because why not? Yeah. I would buy that Jersey in three seconds, <laughs> <laughs> right? I would absolutely buy it. Um, and I, I do think that we have a lot of, uh, men who are allies. Um, you know, there's, uh, the Buffalo Bills organization, they have a wonderful female coaching pe people in their coaching staff. Um, I'll probably say this a thousand times, but I'm just a huge fan of Jay Billis because he uses his platform to be, um, unapologetically outspoken on equality. And yeah. I mean, the feedback that he gets from people is just insane um, in a in a negative way. I mean, people just are horribly rude. The same way that same way that they are rude to women when you point out inequality. Um, but he has a platform. He has two million followers on Twitter. So um, I think that's just so important. The talent is there in women's sports. The interest is there with the World Cup, and the personalities are there. You've got a Megan Rapino. Uh, you've got mm -hmm. a, people who people find interest in. Um, so I just think that we have to normalize it and we have to really, a culmination of all those things, uh, are, are really what's going to kind of get the, get the thing going, but yeah. you know, we're in a, we're in a time right now. Yeah. So based off of what you just said about Jay, do you ever experience backlash when you're like covering it or reporting it? Oh yeah. I mean, I have a rule. I do not read the comment section. <laughs> um, it's usually... Yeah, it's usually like, why don't, why aren't you in the kitchen making me a sandwich, um, oh, <laughs> like stuff of that gosh. sort. And then it's people who want to argue with you, um, you know, I, I just don't. You can't engage. Um, the comments are absolutely horrible. Um, but again, I don't read them. I actually find them, you know, if someone sends it to me, I find it a little bit funny now because yeah. at the end of the day, if they're clicking that article, if they're clicking that link. <laughs> They're sending ad dollars our way. So You're like, ahead, thank you. <laughs> thank you for your hate. Thank you for your hate. <laughs> so, yeah. 
all oh the time. Gosh. I imagine that you guys also get uh, insane responses to anything that you put out there in terms of sports. Just being we a woman. We actually is- haven't yet, but yeah, I mean, just in general, <laughs> just like as yeah. a woman covering sports in general, absolutely. <laughs> We've, we've discussed it a couple of times on this show, but just the shock that people have that Tia and I can effectively have a conversation about sports. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's probably the most insulting thing that can happen. So hopefully we will someday be in a world where people are not surprised when women can have intelligent conversations about athletics. But it's crazy too. Like I, and I think about it, like when I go out, I live in New York city and when I, I watch the Eagles game either, you know, at my apartment or I go out with friends there's not one guy in my friend group that we go out to watch the Eagles game together. It's all a bunch of my girlfriends. We're all from Philadelphia and we go out to an Eagles bar to watch the game together. We're not, you know, there's no guy in our group to say like, Oh, here's what happens. No, we all know football. Uh, We're all big fans. And I mean, it's just amazing to think about that. People are always like, Oh, you know, who do you go with? Uh, Just a bunch of women like sports because (laughs) you know, what a, what a, you know, what an idea. Yeah. It's so um, taboo. Shout yeah. out to my friend Haley, who is getting married, not this Saturday, but next Saturday, um, or sorry, October 12th, and she deliberately planned her wedding to be on a bye week for Ohio State. Love um, it. Oh, because, well. Yeah, she, she will not tolerate people, you know, missing a football game, especially herself. Um, her. So, yeah, and also, exactly. that's very considerate of all the guests. I know. I cannot well, stand when people do that. Yeah, well, my husband and I got married December 22nd because, you know what, if Ohio State was playing in a bowl game then, that would have been a pretty tragic season anyway that we wouldn't yeah. really have wanted to. <laughs> exactly. You're right. Um, we're playing for New Year's or we're playing for the championship. That's exactly. it. <laughs> um, so we do have one last question for you, um, and this is the question that we like to close with, is what's that one piece of advice that you have for women athletes, reporters, lawyers, agents, or anyone else who wants to enter into the sports world? Oh, geez, this is a tough one. Um, But I would just say just help other people out. Um, There's so many times where you're in a position and you may not realize it, where you can help somebody. It may not be in your field, but you may know somebody who can help them a job, get a job in a different industry or help them talk to somebody uh, for something that they're trying to accomplish outside of it. And I would just set set up an intro, Um, you know, have them meet each other or hook that person up with somebody else because uh, one, you get good, good karma. And two, you just kind of never know what comes back to you. You never know where people end up. I always like to say that anybody who works under, uh, under me, I hope they end up surpassing anything that I'll ever do. Um, and I can work for them someday, hopefully with like a nice cushiony job uh, where I just follow all of their success and, you know, ride, kind of ride the coattail to some field passes places. <laughs> uh, so I would say the, the easiest way to kind of get in is to help other people. Um, that's, that's been my experience. Um, and, and know your value and worth, you know, don't, don't take anything from anybody. Yeah. I love that. Especially in the journalism world, at least it's definitely all about who, you know, Um, And especially if you're a woman and you have to kind of prove yourself or take a couple extra steps than men do in the sports realm. Um, So it's definitely good to have either another woman or even, you know, just anyone who can be a mentor. Yeah. Or just anyone that can guide you. 
Yeah, there's such a nice group of women on social media who actually have been so kind to me. And again, I'll I'll say Jay Billis again. I texted him after he came on to our show and I said, you know, Jay, thank you so much. I don't think you understand what you coming on meant for me and did for me. And he goes, are you kidding me? Thank you for having me. Like, I read your site all the time. He, you know, and I, we had a conversation. He's like, I'll help anybody any way that I can. Um, because the worst that I can get is no, and I don't feel shame or I'm not ashamed to ask somebody for help or a favor to help out somebody that, you know, I think is a good person. Uh, because why not? You know, we've all, as women, we've all heard no so many times in our lives. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just ask, just try to make the connection. If they don't respond, then, oh, well, you know, they'll, they'll regret it in a few years when the, no one's responding to them. Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys, that's all we have for today. Thank you so much, Kelsey, for coming on the show. You're an inspiration. (laughs) Meredith and I are obviously so passionate about these topics. So, I mean, to get your insight has been amazing. Thank you guys for having me. I mean, please stay connected. Let me know if you need anything. Um, I'm sure that I will be, you know, following everything that you're doing in years (laughs) to come. And hopefully uh, you give me a field pass or two. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, Kelsey. You can follow Kelsey at ktrain underscore 11, Tia at Tia with 3A Williams, myself at Meredith Pine, and the site at Landgrant33. We're going to be back with you next Thursday and every Thursday after that with new shows. Thank you again for listening to Play Like a Girl. And as always, go Bucks. Go Bucks.